With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, one more beer for me. Exile means quality. So savagely. Best beer in all the land. Brewed with a loving hand. From bottle, keg, or can. Exile brewing. E-X-I-L-E. For me. E-X-I-L-E. Let's drink football. Enjoy your Instant Reaction Podcast. I'm John Miller. Thank you to Exile Brewing Company for their sponsorship of the HN Podcast. 38-14 was the final score. Iowa beating Northern Iowa in this one. And this game went nearly exactly as I had hoped. Um, I even had to go back and listen to my interview with Ken Miller um, from uh, 1700, the interview I did with him back on Wednesday of this week. And I, I said what I want to see Iowa do in the first half of this game is really, really work on their passing. Work on that aspect of the game. Come out, treat this like, you know, Dace even said it on Monday, almost like an NFL preseason game. Work on it that way. And that's what Iowa did. In the first half, I think they threw the ball almost 20 times in that first half. Nate Stanley actually was not, not he wasn't sharp, but he made some really good and encouraging throws in that first half and throughout the game. Stanley wound up 23 of 28 on this game for 309 yards, two touchdowns, uh, and and one interception on a really, really bad decision. But um, made a really pretty throw to Noah Fant in that first quarter. Uh, Made a great throw on a 14-yard touchdown pass to Nick Easley. Another thing I said I wanted to see Iowa do in this game was hopefully see the passing game between Stanley and the wide receivers take some steps forward. We also saw that. Nick Easley, 10 receptions for 103 yards. Noah Fant, 5 receptions for 99 yards. He had that at halftime. I don't know if he played in the second half. I know that he got hit in that first series. Thought the wind was knocked out of him, but looked like it might have been something on his right side, maybe a hip. Hopefully not a cracked rib or anything like that. But uh, not sure that he played in the second half, and, and they really didn't need him to. So hopefully he'll be okay. Brandon Smith with two receptions. TJ Hawkinson had two. Makai Sargent had one. Tyrone Tracy had one late in the game from Peyton Mansell. Brady Ross had one. Max Cooper, Nico Regani, and Torin Young. So a number of different receivers for Iowa catching passes. Torin Young, 14 attempts on the ground for 82 yards. He had a touchdown. Makai Sargent, two scores, 15 rushes, 72 yards. He continues to show some uh, really, really good wiggle. Very slithery, but also very strong. So those were some good things to see. Um, I think I'm going to pull, see if I can find this on Twitter here real quick. So Iowa led 38 to nothing with, um, gosh, 159 remaining in the third quarter. At that point, they had 486 total yards of offense, 
to 85 for you and I. Just complete 25 first downs through three quarters. Six of 11 on third downs through three quarters. They were averaging 7.4 yards per play at that point with a minute 59 to go in the third quarter. Now, Northern Iowa put up 228 yards for the game. Most, what was it, would we say, two-thirds of that came in the fourth quarter. Now, Iowa did give up two touchdowns. The starting defense did finally give up their first touchdown of the year, although that's questionable whether or not Northern Iowa should have even had a chance at that as Jake Gervais was whistled for a pass interference call. Was that on fourth down? Um, down near the five-yard line or the goal line, which was a it was a bad call. But at any rate, Iowa winds up averaging 6.7 yards per play for the game. They ran 81 plays, which is a, a very high number for Iowa. Um, but they, they gained 545 total yards of offense, and they had 88 yards of penalties in this game. Ten penalties, a number of holding calls. You had your obligatory illegal blocking call against Iowa in this game. Um, sacks for Iowa, three. So that puts them up to, what, uh, 12? 12 on the season. So that's four a game times 12. It's 48 pace. It's a very strong pace. Again, I'll keep bringing this up because Scott Docterman of the, of the Athletic brought it up in the preseason that in years when Iowa has had 30 or more sacks, they've won 10 or more games in the Kirk Ferentz era. And if Iowa can get a win next week at home against Wisconsin, I think this team probably is going to win 10 games. But we'll talk quite a bit about that later on this week, maybe even a little bit later on in this particular episode of the podcast. But we shall see um, how things go. Let's go back to Nate Stanley for a bit again. 23 of 28 for 309 yards, 191.3 rating. The second time in his career that he's thrown for over 300 yards, the other instance was against Iowa State last year. He, what's the best way for me to describe what he looks? He looks like he's playing too fast. Things have not slowed down for him this year the way that I thought they would, the way the game typically slows down for players that have experience. I mean, tonight was with 13, that was his 16th career start. And think, he's just playing too fast. He's trying too hard. And I'm 47, so I grew up at the tail end of the uh, record player era. And I still have some 45 records. Those were singles. Like today, if, if you're going to go download one song from iTunes... Back in the day, you'd buy a small record, and that was called a, 40, uh, a 45. And um, But what you could do with your record player is you could play it at different speeds based on the different size of album that you had. And Stanley seems like he's playing at 78 RPMs as opposed to 45 RPMs. 78 RPM sounds like this. And if you've ever listened, you know, seen Alvin and the Chipmunks, basically they're speeding up Alvin's voice and the Chipmunks' voices to sound like little cute little fuzzy creatures, fuzzy little cute creatures and Chipmunks could talk. That's what this sounds like. But when you go back and you play it at 45, which is the speed that it's supposed to play at, it sounds normal. It sounds normal how I'm talking now. So Stanley just seems like a guy who's playing at, four, he's playing at 78 RPM, and he needs to dial it back. As I've said before, George Brett, my favorite baseball player of all time, once said, sometimes you have to try a little easier. 
doesn't mean you don't give 100% effort. It just means you got to chill. And Nate just seems like a guy right now who's got to figure out how to chill. That interception that he threw when he was pressured, he just threw that up and over the middle. You throw a ball over the middle up for grabs like he did, it's going to get intercepted. You just can't do that. He can't do that. He needs to take a sack in that instance. Speaking of sacks, I mean, you and I did get uh, three sacks, two against the uh, starting offensive line, one against Peyton Mansell. Seven tackles for loss for Northern Iowa. Again, most of that coming uh, in the fourth quarter. I mean, Peyton Manziel took over for the Iowa offense with like 10 and a half minutes left to go in the game. So Iowa's starting offense basically played three quarters and maybe one series and scored 38 points, very efficient. Iowa punted on their first drive of the game. They didn't punt again until there was five minutes and 20, uh, wait, no, uh, two minutes and 53 seconds left in the game. So only two punts in the game, the first possession, and then after the starting offense went down. After that first punt, it was touchdown, 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 uh, interception, the one that we talked about. And that interception took place at the UNI 39-yard line. Um, Field goal attempt that was missed right before half. Starting the second half, field goal, touchdown, touchdown. And then um, Peyton Mansell had an interception. So offense was very efficient in what they did. And again, 23 of 28 for Stanley. Don't want to sit here and harp on him. You know, I I really am not trying to be overly critical of Nate Stanley. He's Iowa's quarterback. In no way, shape, or form am I calling for Peyton Mansell to replace him. Not hardly, not at all, and it's not going to happen unless Stanley's injured. It's just not. And Stanley is a good quarterback. He just isn't playing like it. I think he's better than the way that he's playing. Even on a night when he went 23 of 28, he's better than that because his footwork just isn't there yet. And so much about a quarterback is about your footwork, about not throwing off that bat. I mean, there were two or three completions in this game. that they, Those were throws that were low or behind a receiver, and the receiver had to make a great catch. So even though he's 23 for 28, probably more like a, you know 19 for 28, which still isn't horrible. But next week against Wisconsin, it's going to take a better effort and more consistency than that. Now on the other side of the field, here's Northern Iowa's possessions until they're, until what um, 7.03 to go in the third quarter. So here we go. First possession. Three and out. Second possession, four plays, 11 yards. Third possession, nine plays, four yards. Fourth possession, three and out. Next possession, one and out, interception. Uh, Then there was a half. Then the second half opened up. Three plays and out. Second possession, the second half. Three plays and a fumble. Then a 10-play drive, a 14-play drive, a six-play drive is Northern Iowa. Just basically was throwing all the time. And, you know, some people were probably wondering, well, how come Iowa didn't get more sacks in this game? Well, that quarterback in the second half, I was counting oftentimes just to see how long he was holding on to the ball. He was getting rid of that ball in less than three seconds. And Iowa's defenders were right there. It wasn't as if there wasn't any pass rush. There was. He was just getting rid of the ball. So Iowa's defense played another Iowa's defensive line I thought played another very good game very good game Iowa's secondary and that's late in that second half that's the kind of thing that in a game like this you'd like to see 
Ojemudia, the, the, the cornerbacks were really picked on late. And Iowa was giving up big cushions. You're not going to want to play press coverage in a situation like that. Um, so I, I get it. But it's enough that Phil Parker is going to be able to harp on these guys and get their attention next week. Not like he wouldn't get their attention anyway with, with Wisconsin coming to town. So maybe we should just turn our attention to that for a few minutes. Um, as I, I'm looking at some of the scores here in the Big Ten, um, Purdue and Missouri are in a shootout while Purdue uh, might be saving their season. Ohio State is charging back against TCU, which we don't. I don't want to go over scores here because um, none of that matters. By the time you hear this, the games will be over, and this isn't a scoreboard show. It's not like this is sound off. Wisconsin lost to BYU, twenty-four to twenty-one, and I watched nearly the entire game, the entire BYU Wisconsin game. I think I missed maybe the first five or ten minutes. I, I started watching when BYU um, scored their first touchdown. At worst, BYU was Wisconsin's equal on both sides of the line of scrimmage. At worst. At times, they might have been a little better. Now, Wisconsin rushed for 204 yards. On 43 attempts, 4.7 yards per attempt, that's a winning number. That's a very, very good number. Jonathan Taylor, 26 carries, 117 yards, 4.5 yards a carry. Good numbers. Alex Hornibrook, however, the quarterback, looked far more like the 2017 version of Alex Hornibrook than the 2018 version we expected to see. No touchdown passes, one interception. But the big difference, the big thing in this game, at least to me, was how BYU, who plays a 4-3 defense, similar to how Iowa plays, BYU's defensive line did not allow Wisconsin to run roughshod over them. Again, 204 yards is a lot of yards. Okay, That's a winning number. But... Wisconsin, when 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 the quarterback, when Wisconsin needs the quarterback to make some big plays, throw a couple of touchdown passes, they didn't get it in this game. And the 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 Cephas suspension, or he's no he's not with the team as he's dealing with some legal matters. Let's just leave it at that, as I don't have all the details in front of me to go over that again. Doubtful he will be with Iowa. He hasn't been with the team. Doubtful he'll be with them for the Iowa game. He hasn't been with the team. So he's not going to be there next week. Uh, Danny Davis, I think that's their uh, receiver. Yeah, Danny Davis came back from uh, a two-game suspension. He had four catches for 40 yards in this game. But to me, it looked like Wisconsin's passing game was very compressed the way that Iowa's passing game is often compressed. And those BYU defensive linemen were soaking up all the blockers. Wisconsin's linemen were unable to get out and put second-level blocks on the linebackers the way that they do when they're really rolling because BYU's defensive line is really good. Now, BYU's defensive line has more beef on it than Iowa's does, but Iowa is a very gap-sound defensive Line. That's the way that they've made their bones throughout all the Norm Parker years and the Phil Parker years. 
And I see no reason why this year's version of Iowa's defensive line against a very good Wisconsin offensive line isn't going to be sound in their gaps, which will let Iowa's still somewhat inexperienced linebacking core be a little more free to run to the ball, to not get you know blocked up by tight ends and offensive linemen, because I think the Wisconsin tight ends and offensive linemen are going to have their hands full against Iowa's defensive line that can go eight deep, that won't get worn down like Iowa offenses, uh, defensive lines from the past have been worn down. See 2010 Iowa. So I, I, based upon what I saw, from what, and remember last week, why was Jonathan Taylor carrying it 33 times against New Mexico? And I said last week in the podcast with Dace, Alex Hornibrook, why is he only attempting 11 passes? against New Mexico. Why didn't Wisconsin do last week against New Mexico what I hoped Iowa was going to do in the first half against Northern Iowa? New Mexico is not a good team. You knew that in the second half you could always come back and play slam ball. Well, the game was fairly close at halftime, but still, I, I just didn't get that. And in this game against BYU, Hornibrook had to throw it 28 times. He completed 18 for just 190 yards, 6.8 yards in a, uh, an attempt for one interception and no touchdowns. And that's why they lost the game. I mean, BYU only threw for 120 yards. They rushed for 191 on 28 carries. So 28 and 23, they ran 51 plays. And they beat Wisconsin in Madison, snapping Wisconsin, what is it, 44 or 41 game home winning streak against non-conference opponents, the fifth longest since, I think, World War II. Now, BYU did do a lot on the edge, good jet sweep game there. I saw from Iowa tonight, too, and I was talking with a friend about this. Iowa ran a jet sweep. Iowa did some blitzes on first down. They don't normally do. Iowa threw a ton, a ton of things on tape for Wisconsin. And this year's Wisconsin defense is not like the last three or four years of Wisconsin. The last three or four Wisconsin defenses have been top five national defenses. This year's Wisconsin defense does not appear to be a defense like that to me. Now, when they play Iowa next week, Iowa's going to want to run its zone scheme. Wisconsin has you know, their plan against that, similar to what we saw against Iowa State last week. When Iowa runs, runs its zone flow, those linebackers are going to be slanting and crashing. Iowa knows that's coming. Will Iowa run some more ISO tray block formations, some counters, some power O? Just, you know, run some, run some, uh, you know, not, not, not run counters, but counter plays to take advantage of that over aggressiveness. I just think Iowa is going to be loaded for bear for this game from a game plan scheme standpoint. That doesn't mean look for exotics. It just means I think Iowa is going to have some answers to Wisconsin and Wisconsin's likely expectation to what Iowa is going to do. Now, whether or not Iowa executes remains to be seen. Execution still wins football games and loses you football games. But this Wisconsin team, hey, listen, Wisconsin may very well beat Iowa next week. I don't yet know who I'm going to pick for that one. Still don't know yet. But this Wisconsin team is not as good as I thought they were. 
I felt that last week after the, that their second game of the season. Feel it all the more after watching nearly the entire game against BYU. They are not as good a team as I thought they were going to be. They're not as good a team as they were a year ago, not even close, because that defense is nowhere near the level of defense that Wisconsin played last year. Iowa is hardly an offensive juggernaut, even though 500 yards through three quarters, that's what you love to see against an FCS team. To me, and I tweeted this at halftime or late second quarter, what it looked like to me tonight for Iowa on offense it looked like Iowa was holding a business meeting, and they had several meeting agenda items they wanted to cover and get answers to. Passing game, check. Get wide receivers involved, check. Get Nate Stanley feeling a little better about himself, check. P- continue to play stifling defense on the defensive line, check. Let A.J. Epinesa get more snaps on first down, which they did that in the third quarter. Check. Heck, they did that in the second quarter, actually. Strike that. Second quarter. And A.J. absolutely was aware of his outside containment responsibilities. You could see it. It wasn't fluid. It was a bit robotic. You could see the wheels turning in his head. And he'll get better at that. But that's the reason why he's not playing 50 snaps a game. That's the reason why he's been playing as primarily a third down rusher. And he's really good at that. Is because he's still not where he needs to be on you know um, edge containment responsibilities in the ground game. But tonight, man, you could tell it's been, they've been in his ear on that. Rewatch the game, and you'll you'll see him. You'll see him kind of flare out to the outside, take a couple of steps backwards away from the quarterback to to sit there and make sure that he was taking care of his edge containment responsibilities. And once he gets that down, which you know may come later on this year, next year you're talking about an unblockable beast. I mean, period. At any rate, I, I can't wait for next week's game. Wisconsin doesn't have... The the plays that Northern Iowa was making in that fourth quarter in the passing game, I don't see Wisconsin playing like that. I I just don't see them playing like that. It's going to be a phone booth football game. And will it be Nate Stanley or Alex Hornibrook that makes those three to four throws that decide the game? either in the affirmative or mistakes. That's what it'll come down to. Lastly, my friend Scott Leslie. On Twitter, he is at um, Majestic Scott. He actually owns an um, establishment in Madison called The Majestic. He's an Iowa grad, big Hawkeye fan. He and I chat a lot. And last week... He asked me if I was... He said that he calls A.J. Epinesa Maui. Those of you who have seen the Disney movie Moana, it's Maui from Moana. Maui who was voiced by The Rock. He calls him Maui. I'm like, well, why do you call him Maui? Obviously, there's you know the Polynesian con- connection. He says because A.J. is going to return the heart of Tafiti to Iowa City. Now, if you haven't seen Moana, it's your loss. But I'm guessing most of you with children have seen it. And uh, 
to me, this whole season, and I said it before the year started, this whole season to me was coming down to the Iowa-Wisconsin game. Will Iowa regain its mantle of being the bullies? Being the guys that are just tougher than you. Wisconsin stole that mojo from Iowa, in my opinion, by and large, back in 2010. On the fake punt, and that it just seems like the fortunes turned there, and Wisconsin's trajectory has been up and to the right, by and large, since then. They've been winning at a phenomenal, enviously phenomenal rate. Iowa had 2015. It was a great year. Iowa beat Wisconsin and Madison that year thanks to a fumble down by the goal line. Iowa's offensive statistics were horrible. So it's not like Iowa went and pounded them. Iowa needs to physically win the battle against Wisconsin to make this Big Ten West thing something more than Wisconsin and everyone else to return that heart of Tafiti to Iowa City. Whether it's AJ or this defense, it's the defense as a whole, this defensive line. Next week, this is the game. And if Iowa loses this game, can they still win 10 games? They could. Penn State seems like a pretty tough out there at Happy Valley, but the rest of the teams on their schedule, I mean, they're going to be Iowa's going to be favored in those games. But if they win against Wisconsin, this coming week. I'll be surprised if they don't wind up in Indianapolis. If Iowa beats Wisconsin, I'll be surprised that the Hawkeyes don't wind up in Indianapolis because I think Wisconsin will have at least two losses. And that means Iowa could have at least two losses and still win the head-to-head against Wisconsin. And I don't see Northwestern being a factor. I don't see anyone else in the Big Ten West being a factor unless Minnesota has something I don't see quite yet I think the winner of Saturday I mean Iowa could lose to Wisconsin and if they didn't lose again I think Wisconsin could lose a couple of times but I would rather see Iowa win because then I think I think Wisconsin maybe could have two if not three losses if Iowa wins on Friday barring key injuries to key players the rest of the way, I think they'll wind up in Indianapolis. I think that's what's on the line Friday. Or or next Saturday, rather. Man, let's get it on.